It's the 20th day of May, and we're here on y'all to fill up your 20th day of May with content we think is right up your southern alley. I'm John Rawl, the General of the South. John Rawl, CSA, Certified Southern American, and for all of our fellow Southern Americans out there, we appreciate y'all tuning in on great radio stations across the Southland, as well as all of you who catch us each and every day on podcast form. We're on the iHeartRadio app, TuneIn app, as well as at y'all.com. Don't want to leave out Apple Podcasts there. You can find us, too. Just set it up. If you're listening to us on a great radio station and you have to go to the powder room and miss out on a portion of the show, all you have to do is go back to our website, y'all.com, or any of those aforementioned podcast options, and you can hear this show in its entirety. And you can hear the almost 500 episodes of the Y'all Show that we've been cranking out for several years here. And we couldn't have done it without you. We appreciate it. We have what I call a full show here on this Thursday Y'all Show. If you don't believe me, just listen up. Listen up. Listen up closely because it's it's just filled up. There's just no better way to tell you. And I'm excited about it, too. We've got a look at headlines that we're going to tell you about. Tim Tebow, officially a Jacksonville Jaguar. I'll have info on that here on today's y'all show also we have other information coming in from around the southeast of the united states more wet weather for the gulf coast area of the region also a judge in north carolina accused of hitting black live matters protesters and i'll fill you in on that speaking of north carolina the founder of the 1619 project loses her tenure offer at the university of north carolina i'll fill you in on that Plus, if you're going to be going down to Gulf Shores and Orange Beach and places like that, you might want to be looking out besides for seashells when you're on the beach. Almost a million dollars worth of cocaine washing up on the shores of Gulf Shores here in the last few days. All that information, plus a heartwarming but sad story coming out of, I think it's Middle Tennessee, Jolton is the town where a couple married 65 years, dies just minutes apart, holding each other's hands. A sweet but sad story we'll share today in our headlines across the southeast. We also have a SEC report. What's up with SEC baseball? Believe it or not, this is the final weekend of SEC regular season baseball because next week you'll go to Hoover for the SEC baseball tournament, and because of the tournament they move up college baseball's final regular season weekend to a thursday friday saturday series and so we'll break down who all is playing starting on this thursday in the southeastern conference and other news and notes kim mulkey the new head coach of the lsu women's basketball team she's in the news we'll tell you why all that is part of our sec report and it's coming your way here this hour we have speaking of baseball our college baseball expert will be on later this hour because of the Thursday, Friday, Saturday series of baseball, Matt Hermans is filing his college baseball report today, previewing the weekend in college baseball. So stay tuned for what we have on Tuesdays, a barbecue report from our barrister, Matt Hermans. Now today, he's our college baseball barrister. He'll be on this hour with his college baseball preview for the weekend. Hashtag Blue also coming up here this hour of the Y'all Show. When we skip forward to hour two, We'll have headlines continuing on from across the southeast. Then entertainment headlines. A new baby for Texas girl Jennifer Love Hewitt. I'll have info on that. And then a lady that used to be in Texas says that she's not a lady anymore. Says she's not a man anymore. 
Demi Lovato in the news. We'll tell you why. And that's part of our entertainment headlines coming your way in the second hour. Then we're going to take you to Music Row. We've got a hot new singer that's got a great song out, and she's going to be right here with us. Her name is Paulina Jane. She grew up north of the Mason-Dixon line, but she got here as fast as she could. And we're going to have a great interview and play some of her music. Paulina Jane, our very special guest from Music Row in Nashville, and that'll be on an hour or two. You're going to learn a lot more about this talented singer-songwriter and it's going to be great to catch up with her hour two of today's y'all show. Kobe Bennett's going to file a Southern accent on business hour two. Then we move over to hour three, and we've got a update on sports from across the South and more. NBA's play-in games concluded on, uh, well, the first round, you would say, concluded Wednesday, and we'll fill you in on whether the Lakers were able to survive in advance and more. All that, and, and the Grizz, were they able to survive in advance and more? I think we've got some good news coming out of the Mid-South. We'll tell you about it in our Southern Headlines of Sports in Hour 2. Then we've got another guest coming your way, and it's a guest from the sports world, as we have teeing off right now at Kiowa Island in Charleston County, South Carolina, on the low country, in the low country of SC, the PGA Championship returning to the ocean course at Kiowa Island, and Jason Nall of College Tour X will be here to help us preview this weekend's second major on the PGA Tour. It's the PGA Championship, and Jason Nall will be on in Hour 3 to get you ready for a full full and fun weekend of golf. All that coming your way, plus we'll have a look at some of the festivals taking place here this mid-May weekend. Now, that is what we call in the business a full show, don't you agree? If you want to be part of this full show, our number here at y'all is 803-816-1170. Our email address is mail at y'all.com. It's so easy for you to connect to us, whether you want to text or drop us an email or even give us a ring. Again, that number for all that is 803-816-1170. 70. All right, let's dive into the news of the Southland here on this Thursday. And according to the National Weather Service, the Gulf Coast area of the region is facing another day of heavy rain. And look out, it looks like it's going to be saturating Louisiana, which did not need any more rain hitting the Pelican State. More wet weather saturating the the ground around the central and western Gulf Coast region. Severe thunderstorms possible today throughout the region so yes if you're in louisiana you you should kind of be on the lookout especially around morgan city on the coast it looks like the weather is going to be the i guess wettest or most dangerous there and so be on the lookout today and that storm front expected to move across into mississippi throughout the day so again we had a state of emergency the governor there governor john bell edwards earlier in the week issued that we have had people die as a result of floodwaters in louisiana and now more rain coming in i guess don't they say april showers bring may flowers well now we got may showers and i don't know what it's bringing but it's bringing a lot of damage unfortunately a story from out of the memphis area a former memphis police officer has now been indicted on a murder charge this is a disturbing story this former mpd officer accused of killing a man in the back of his squad car and then disposing the body, and now he's been indicted on first-degree murder charges. 29-year-old Patrick Ferguson was also indicted on kidnapping and tampering with evidence charges. 
According to the DA's attorney there, the DA's office, Robert Lee Howard was reported missing by his girlfriend back on January 6th, and Mr. Ferguson was later developed as a suspect and eventually admitted to investigators that he went to the victim's home, abducted him at gunpoint, and killed him in the back of his patrol car. Ferguson also said he left Howard's body at one location and enlisted help to move and dispose his body at another location. A second defendant also has been accused in this case, but a a Memphis police officer, again, facing murder and kidnapping charges, and it does not look good for this man as this Memphis former police officer, 29-year-old Patrick Ferguson, indicted on kidnapping and tampering, and and he did uh, allegedly kill the guy in his own patrol car. I don't know what was going on, I assume, some some bad stuff there in Memphis here with this now former Memphis police officer. A judge in North Carolina is being accused by Black Lives Matter protesters of nearly hitting them with his SUV. However, police video is inconclusive in this protest that happened in Fayetteville, North Carolina. It resulted in a misdemeanor assault with a deadly weapon charge. Yes, but the BLM protesters saying that this North Carolina Court of Appeals Judge John Tyson, 67 years old, charged with a misdemeanor assault with a deadly weapon. He's been summoned to appear in court in Cumberland County, North Carolina, in June. And now it's uh, not looking good for him. But this video released by the Fayetteville, North Carolina Police Department is a little bit inconclusive as it's unclear how close the SUV actually came to the demonstrators. One of the protesters, a 23-year-old named Maya Warren, swore before a Cumberland County magistrate on Friday that Judge Tyson was the man she saw driving the SUV that she claims nearly hit her and other protesters outside the Market House in Fayetteville back on May 7th. And she said, he's a well-known racist. I think that's a bold statement to make about a judge, but that's what she said. And, uh, yeah, Warren was reportedly referring to Warren's decision the, the judge in this case, Warren, did they both have the same last night? No, not, that's a misprint there in the paper. Warren was reportedly referring to the judge's dissent after the state court of appeals upheld a murder conviction for a white man who shot a black partygoer after reporting hoodlums in the neighborhood back in 2016. More to come on this developing story from the state of North Carolina. President Joe Biden is going to award his first Medal of Honor this week to a retired colonel. And he's doing this to the uh, for the colonel for acts of bravery during the Korean War. The White House announcing this on Wednesday. President Biden will bestow the nation's most prestigious military honor to retired Colonel Ralph Puckett Jr., who held t- Hill 205, a strategic position near Unsan, over two days in November 1950 while fighting off numerous attacks during that battle in which he endured multiple wounds. The president of South Korea, Moon Jae-in, will attend this ceremony at the White House. Moon will be in Washington for a summit with Biden at the White House here this week. Now, Mr. Puckett's Medal of Honor was made possible under the 2020 Defense Policy Bill, and that lifted a requirement that such awards be made within five years of the Commission of the Act for Valor, which the individual is being recognized. The five-year limit was way for Puckett and three other U.S. service members, Mr. Puckett's nomination still had to be approved by the defense secretary and also by the president. The 94-year-old Puckett still lives in the South. He lives in Columbus, Georgia, 
And back in 1950, he was a first lieutenant and commander of the 8th U.S. Army Ranger Company during those two days in November of 1950 when his unit launched a daytime offensive on Hill 205. And there, the North Koreans, they directed mortar, machine gun fire, and small arms fire against Puckett and his men in return. At one point, Puckett intentionally ran across an open area multiple times to draw enemy fire which allowed his rangers to find and destroy enemy positions and seize Hill 205, that from the White House. But this Columbus, Georgia resident, Colonel Puckett, and and his wife, Jean, his wife of 68 years, will be at the White House here this week where they'll get the Medal of Honor bestowed on this American hero and a great Southerner and a great Georgian. Colonel Ralph Puckett, Jr., we appreciate your service, sir, and congratulations as you are being awarded the nation's highest military honor, the Medal of Honor, and the first Medal of Honor bestowed upon by President Joe Biden. The founder of the 1619 Project has lost her effort to get tenure at the University of North Carolina, and one of the school's deans there worried that this decision is going to have a chilling effect, uh, supposedly there at UNC, but... You probably have seen or heard from Nicole Hannah-Jones, the founder of the 1619 Project, and now she's lost her her school's offer for tenure and is instead under consideration for a five-year contract as a professor of practice. The North Carolina Policy Watch reported on the change Wednesday amid a wave of criticism of Professor Jones's work, according to the outlet, UNC's Board of Trustees decided not to approve the 1619 author and her tenure effort, which effectively translates into a career-long appointment, despite support from faculty. The dean of the School of Journalism at UNC, Susan King, called the decision disappointing and said she was afraid it would create a chilling effect. She said that, that Jones represents the best of our alumni and the best of the business but not given tenure. A little bit of a surprise coming from the, I guess, the administration of the University of North Carolina. Now, certain historians have raised concerns with some of the 1619 Project's claims, namely that slavery was a primary reason why colonists fought the American Revolution. Now, that's something we can fight and disagree with and, and, and have people like Professor Jones probably make a career out of that kind of thing. It's might be it might be worth studying. I, I would I would I would say she actually might have a point. To be honest with you, I, I don't think that was the only reason. Don't get me wrong, but certainly certainly I I, I have this crazy theory, and not that y'all want to hear my theories, but at that time period of our American Revolution in the 1770s, there was a movement in England and throughout. I guess it would have been Great Britain at the time to emancipate slaves. Remember, this was American. Uh, our 13 colonies were under British control, and there was a movement for emancipation going on in England. And had they, as the Crown could have dictated, emancipated the slaves, then slavery would not have happened anymore in this country or in this colony here in America. And so, yeah, there was probably a lot of people not wanting that to happen, so perhaps that might have been in their thinking part of the reason Instead of uh, no taxation without representation, it could have been, hey, we're going to go ahead and make a preemptive strike here that that uh, we want to keep our slaves. They're making us a lot of money, and 
we'll we'll just kind of create our own thing over here called the United States. It, it's a theory that could be true. I don't know if this 1619 project actually has hard facts, but right now, because of the controversy of it, that's why this professor not getting tenure at UNC. We have more headlines. We'll get to them later on in the show. Right now, we'll take a little time out on the Y'all Show. When we come back, we'll switch over and give you an update on what's going on in the Southeastern Conference. It's our SEC report, and it is coming up next here on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. Don't miss out on the fun, and don't forget, our website is the homepage of the South, and you can go there right now and see great interviews that we've done, and we'll continue to have great stuff coming your way at the homepage of the South. Thank you for listening. Y'all will continue after this break. War Eagle to all y'all. This is the Y'all Show in our SEC report. Yeah, you like how I threw that in there? Of course, I know it's uh, Roll Tide Roll. And how about your Alabama Crimson Tide softball team? They won the SEC tournament the other day at their own place there in T-Town. And I'll have the complete listing of where SEC teams are going to be playing in the softball postseason. A bunch of SEC teams. I think it's almost somewhere around 10. 10 out of maybe 13 schools are off to the SEC, from the SEC to the NCAA Women's Softball Tournament. All that coming up here on this SEC Spotlight of the Y'all Show on this Thursday Y'all Show. Now, the SEC in the news on Wednesday, and they're, they're, they're kind of breaking news across all of college sports. Watch for other conferences to try to do the exact same thing. That is, if they have the coffers. The Southeastern Conference releasing on Wednesday, Greg Sankey saying that each member institution of the 14 SEC schools will receive a $23 million financial loss recovery because of the coronavirus. It's reported that most schools took about about a $40 million, $45 million hit. And so the Southeastern Conference is coming in and saying, hey, University of Alabama and Arkansas and Auburn and Florida and Georgia and Kentucky and LSU and Missouri and Mississippi, Mississippi State and South Carolina and Tennessee and Vanderbilt and Texas A&M, I think I got them all there. We're going to help you out. We're going to give you all this money because we have all this money, I think. I don't know exactly what the bank account for the Southeastern Conference is looking like these days, but some of this money is potentially coming from future television revenues. But, yes, the conference announcing that it has sent an additional $23 million to each of its 14 member schools to make up for the financial losses caused by coronavirus. As I said, the average shortfall 
per athletic program has been reported to be around $45 million. In a statement, Commissioner Sankey said, the extraordinary circumstances produced by the global pandemic have presented colleges and universities with an unprecedented disruption to their programs and budgets. This supplemental revenue distribution will help ensure each SEC member will continue to provide high levels of support to its student-athletes. This $322 million distribution will be paid for from future revenues generated through media rights, and it will start in 2025. The SEC said it expects its annual distributions that year in 2025 and beyond to continue to increase even after a portion is used to fund this one-time payment. The SEC and ESPN will begin a 10-year deal in 2024, a deal that's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. But right now, the Southeastern Conference getting ahead of the curb on this one and going ahead and giving out all this money to their member institutions. And that comes very helpful to a lot of these schools, most of which had zero attendance or very little attendance in the stands to make up. And that wasn't just in football. That was also in basketball even some of the baseball programs early on in the season had very limited attendance in the stands there and those numbers often are pretty big and they are having to offset that with now this bonus money coming in from the conference a very good job the sec continues to amaze with what they can do to help out the member institutions and right now sankey announcing help is on the way south carolina the gamecocks announcing that they're going to have 100% capacity at williams Bryce Stadium in the fall. This will be the first year of Shane Beamer leading the Garnet and Black in Columbia, and they're getting ready for what they think is going to be a thrilling year on the gridiron, and they're saying right now in May that williams Bryce, the Willie B, will be back to 100% capacity. That's a 77,559-seat stadium there on Bluff Road in Columbia, S.C., Now, last year, the school limited attendance to about 20,000 fans per game because of the pandemic, but athletic director Ray Tanner saying Wednesday, those attending football games here this year will be required to go in and and be, I guess, following those guidelines as mask and social distancing required in the past. Tanner said that those attending football games this season can enjoy all of the game day traditions as in previous years. So he's going ahead saying now you don't have to mask up and be all the social distancing, especially if they got nearly 78,000 people there at Williams-Price. The Gamecocks opened the season September 4th against the Eastern Illinois Panthers coming down from Charleston, not the one in South Carolina, the one in Illinois, the Tony Romo Panthers of EIU out of the OVC, and the Gamecocks will be going off against each other September 4th at Williams-Brice Stadium. The LSU Tigers have a new basketball coach, and this past weekend, Kim Mulkey was thankful to have a guy that's pretty good at college basketball kind of step in and help her as a presenter as Michael Jordan had to help her out. Mulkey said she had hoped for her former coach and boss at Louisiana Tech, Leon Barmore, to help her but he's been dealing with an illness and, and could not travel. So she was not able to be there. She was one of the inductees, which on the women's side also included this was at this Hall of Fame that they had over the weekend of the Naismith Hall of Fame for basketball. A lot of the 
great names of yesteryear inducted to that, including Tim Duncan. In fact, the coach of the Spurs, I guess, Popovich, actually missed out on a game to go fly and be part of Tim Duncan's, the the great Tim Duncan, his induction into the Naismith Hall of Fame. But, yeah, she, Kim Mulkey, getting a chance to have Michael Jordan present her for the Hall of Fame. So she was there. I, I apologize. I, I misread this thing. Michael Jordan was the guy who put her into the Hall of Fame, so a great job. And she's going to do, I think, a wonderful job with the Lady LSU basketball program. Again, let's talk some women's sports now from the softball side of things. You've got a champion recently crowned in Tuscaloosa. The Alabama Crimson Tide won the SEC College, the softball tournament for the conference recently held there on the University of Alabama campus. And now, The SEC led all teams, all leagues, with 12 teams now competing in the 2021 NCAA Division I Softball Championship. The SEC earned seven national seeds, including five of the top eight, and that includes the 45-7 Alabama Crimson Tide, your SEC tournament champion. They earned the number three seed, Florida and Arkansas, the regular co-champions of the SEC, were awarded the four and six seeds in the NCAA softball championship. LSU is a seven seed. Missouri also got in. Tennessee, Kentucky also got in here as well. So let me go through who's playing where in the SEC in this softball postseason tournament. And it starts here this weekend, May 21st through 23rd, Norman, Oklahoma. Texas A&M is part of that regional there. In Knoxville, the Vols are hosting They've got Eastern Kentucky in that first game in the Knoxville Regional going on this weekend. Mizzou, they're hosting a regional, and they've got UIC as their first opponent in the softball regional there. You also have out of the SEC the Mississippi State Bulldogs. They'll be in Stillwater where Oklahoma State is hosting a regional. Athens, the University of Georgia, the Lady Bulldogs hosting a regional there. They've got Western Kentucky as their first opponent. The co-champions of the regular season, the Florida Gators, they'll be hosting the South Florida Bulls in their first game here this weekend as part of their regional. In Tuscaloosa, the tournament champion, the Alabama Crimson Tides, will be taking on the Hornets of Alabama State in that regional in Tuscaloosa. In the Bluegrass of Kentucky, the Wildcats have the Northwestern Wildcats coming in for that regional in Lexington. Tucson, Arizona, the Mississippi Land Sharks will be packing their bags for the desert. They'll be taking on Villanova in their first round. Arizona, of course, hosting that regional. And Fayetteville, Arkansas, the Hogs have Manhattan, the Jaspers, coming in for a game against the Lady Hogs in the softball tournament there in Fayetteville. Baton Rouge LSU has McNeese State coming over from Lake Charles in the Baton Rouge Regional. And then in the Tallahassee Regional, Auburn will be taking on UCF. Florida State, of course, hosting the Tallahassee Regional. But that is part of your 2021 NCAA Division I Softball Championship, the Southeastern Conference, with 12 teams, 12 out of 13 teams from the conference making it to the postseason and I'm trying to come up with who didn't make it. I guess South Carolina didn't make it. I don't think I mentioned them. I don't think. They're the only ones that didn't make it because Vanderbilt, I don't think, has a softball program. So there you have it. Pretty embarrassing for the Gamecocks, don't you think, to be the only SEC team not in there? Hey, let's talk a little golf. And SEC teams are all over the men's 
Division I golf pro season. They're working their way to the national championship in Arizona in a few weeks. And just the other day, around the country, you had these kind of play-in deals to be able to advance to the Scottsdale, Arizona Greyhawk Golf Club, which is where the NCAA golf championships are going to be held May 28th through the 2nd of June. And from the SEC, one team found their way to Noblesville, Indiana, Tennessee, and they finished in the top five. If you finish in the top five at your different regional sites, you get to advance to the national deal, and Tennessee made it out of the Indiana regional. In Tallahassee, the Georgia Bulldogs were among the five squads that advance out of there. They'll be going to Arizona. And then you have in the Tennessee, the Golf Club of Tennessee in Kingston Springs outside of Nashville, hosted by Vanderbilt. Well, the homestanding Vanderbilt Commodores and Arkansas both got their advance to the national championship for men's golf out of that particular event. And then you have in the – making sure I got all these right – All the way out in Washington State, Florida played out there, and the Gators were among five teams. One of those teams, the East Tennessee State Buccaneers out of the Southern Conference, they were one of the teams. They finished first in Washington State, and so they'll advance to go on to the NCAA Tournament Men's Golf Championship. And that takes place again May 28th through the June 2nd at Greyhawk Golf Club in Scottsdale, Arizona, where the Arizona State Wildcat Golf Program is hosting that I love that tournament each and every year. It's it's a really fun thing to see that one and the women's national championship, the way they have the teams all nicely decked out in the same matching uniforms. It's on the Golf Channel. It's it's a really cool tournament. And speaking of golf, we got a lot of golf talk coming up later this hour or later this show as it's PGA Championship time, and Jason Nall of College Tour X will be here to preview this weekend's second major golf tournament of the year the PGA Championship. All right, what's on the diamond in SEC baseball this weekend? They actually get going today. It's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series for all the SEC teams since the SEC baseball tournament in Hoover happens next week. So LSU and Texas A&M get together, ESPNU televising that game on this Thursday. Mississippi State's ranked number 10. They'll be just down the road in Tuscaloosa taking on the Crimson Tide. The Florida Gators are ranked ninth, and they'll be taking on the number one Arkansas Razorbacks at Baum Stadium. That televised on the SEC Network this Thursday. A top 25 matchup at Founders Park in Columbia. The Gamecocks, ranked 21, have the number four Tennessee Vols coming in to Richland County. The Mississippi Land Sharks will be over in Athens taking on the Georgia Bulldogs. The Kentucky Wildcats, the Batcats, will be in Music City taking on the number three Vanderbilt Commodores. And lastly, the Auburn Tigers and the Missouri Tigers have a battle of Tigers from Como. And that's your seven series taking place this Thursday, Friday, Saturday in SEC College Baseball. All right, that wraps up our SEC Spotlight here on the Y'all Show in our first hour. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we're going to switch over and talk a little college baseball more with Matt Hermans. He'll be on to preview the weekend of baseball. Yeah, if you like that little snapshot of what's in the SEC, you're going to love this next segment even more. It's the Y'all Show.
It is the Y'all Show. We're back here, joined by Matt Hubens, our college baseball insider. On this, the show that covers everything Southern. I am John Rawl. Good to have all you back here. And we're getting pretty close to the finish line of college baseball here for the 2021 regular season. And the 2020 season cut short because of the virus. No home haul. So, Matt Hermans, I'm looking at the calendar on the wall, and I'm pretty sure I'm pretty accurate in saying this. We're about a month away from Omaha. How does that sound? Yeah, I'm a little superstitious. We're getting pretty close to a full baseball season with, season with minimal COVID interruptions. And uh, I really, really wanted to finish um, – Normally, really, really want to get into the conference um, tournaments in the postseason without any type of interruption. So we're getting really close, like you say. I just uh, there's not enough wood in the world to knock on here to make sure we finish well. Well, unfinished business is a theme for college baseball because there was no 2020 season, at least the the postseason of 2020, no national champion. And one team that has some unfinished business, not just because of what happened in 2020, but I think it was in 2019, the Arkansas Razorbacks continue to be the number one team in the land. What is your analysis of what Coach Van Horn's done in Fayetteville and how they've maintained their number one status throughout college baseball this season? Well, it's pretty simple. Um, Arkansas has beaten everybody, um, literally. So this is a baseball club that has lost zero SEC series the whole year, uh, which is unbelievable. I mean, this is an incredible baseball league, and and they have not lost a series, which is wild, particularly when you you just think about college baseball. I mean, what you want to do is win most series. Um, You know, you're always going to drop some. Typically, even a great team is going to drop a series now and then because it's just baseball. But Arkansas is not. They, they have won all their conference series. They, they're 7-1 against the top 10, which is also incredible. Um, and they are coming off a big, big win uh, against the Tennessee Volunteers that were ranked number four uh, at the time. So there's really nothing Arkansas could do um, more, than, <laughs> more than what they've done. I mean, they have just had an incredible season. There are a clear clear number one the clearest number one i've seen in a while in college baseball so doesn't mean things won't change it doesn't mean they're going to roll through everything in the postseason but um you talk about a performance this year top to bottom it's just you know there is no argument against arkansas number one Yep. Well, they're number one. A team that was number two went down to Oxford this past weekend, Vanderbilt, and Vanderbilt loses the series against Mike Bianco's Fish from Oxford. And now Texas, which did not even play last weekend. I want to know how what happened there. But according to D1 Baseball, the Longhorns are now your number two team, and Vanderbilt slips down after losing that series in Oxford. What's up with UT, the one in Austin, and VU, the one in Nashville? Yeah, so um, Vanderbilt, honestly, I mean, Vandy's a great team. They've been number two. They were number one earlier in the season. Um, you know, they're, they're, they were clearly number two behind the Arkansas before this series. But I'll tell you what, they got caught by a really, really good Ole Miss team. And I say really, really good Ole Miss team because not, not the team that shows up in Oxford – um, or in the Powder Blues, it's not always a really, really good Ole Miss team. 
Um, but when it's good, it's very, very good. So we've talked a little bit about the Ole Miss Rebels baseball club this year. Super talented. Um, they're dealing with the loss of Gunnar Hoagland, who's a stud. Uh, weekend pitcher usually a friday uh, pitcher for the rebels well, let me ask you but about that was he was he injured was that an injury that happened just the other day no it happened to, it happened a couple weeks ago he was pulled by the trainer due to some type of elbow stiffness which you never want to hear um and of course he's undergoing tommy john surgery which he'll be fine but he's not gonna he's not gonna be able to throw the rest of the year and that's a huge loss for, for old miss but Ole Miss has a, a club that can beat anybody. They just showed that um, against Vandy, and they can also lose series they shouldn't lose to. So this is a wild team. This is a scary team, and Vanderbilt just found out. Vanderbilt has the best one-two pitching punch uh, in the country between Jack Leiter and uh, Kumar Rocker. Jack Leiter had a great day. He shut down the Ole Miss offense, but Kumar Rocker got touched up pretty well by the Ole Miss bats in that first game, and uh, he didn't usually get that happen to him, but that – that offense for the Rebels, if it if it wants to roll, it can roll. So, um, funny team. They jump back up. I think twelve or thirteen. Um, they've been all over the map. Great series win and all, or for the for the uh, for the Ole Miss Rebels and Vandy. Vandy's a great club. Um, that shouldn't be a mark against them. It's just Ole Miss can beat anybody any weekend if if Ole Miss shows up the way they can. Well, one team that did not Texas show up goes. last yeah Texas did not show up last weekend. What happened there? <laughs> Literally, Texas did not show up, did not leave the clubhouse. Um, yeah, they were, they, had, they were off, um, and they benefited by Vandy getting beat by um, Ole Miss that was 18 at the time, and so they moved up. Uh, Texas has a good record. They've got some really good series wins, um, but you know they just benefited from the team ahead of them losing a series to a lower-ranked club, and that's just – that's the way that worked out for the Longhorns. Well, I, I find it very odd that a team, a Power 5 team, has a weekend off. That never happens. How did that happen? Yeah, so it was a COVID. It was, I said earlier there was a, you know very few COVID issues this year. There have been some. Um, Texas Tech is a top-10 team that, that lost out on a series a week ago as well with University of Illinois Champaign. They just canceled it due to, due to COVID. And uh, same thing happened to Longhorns. So um, – yeah, I mean there have been some casualties uh, with the uh, with the COVID coronavirus deal this year, but it has not been as bad as it could have been. So, you know, uh, Texas went undefeated. They would tell you they went undefeated last week. Okay, <laughs> all right, good for them. We're talking with our baseball insider Matt Hermans, y'all dot com, and we have him on here because he lives for college baseball, and we're giving him that opportunity to uh, live. Looking at some of the other teams in the top 20 or so in college baseball, not only do you have the Horns representing the Big 12 at number two, but you have the Red Raiders of Texas Tech at five. Tennessee, by the way, checks in at four in the latest D1 baseball poll. Other Southern teams, Florida, nine. Mississippi State, which lost their series to Missouri last weekend. They're at 10. East Carolina, 11. TCU, 12. As Matt mentioned, Mississippi at 13. You got Louisiana Tech at 14. FSU checks in at 16 in the latest D1 baseball poll. Southern Miss, 19. South Carolina, with a big sweep over Kentucky last weekend. They move up to 21. UNC Charlotte, the 49ers, 22. NC State, 23. That's your Southern teams in the top 25. We're going to walk through what's on the diamond this weekend in college baseball. But any thoughts on any of those teams, Mr. Baseball Insider Matt Hermans? Yeah, a couple thoughts. Um, 
Louisville dropped completely out of the top 25. Um, they, that is a team that was uh, – it, it depends on the poll you're looking at, but that was a team who was top five or top eight at the beginning of the season, and they have they have just struggled down the stretch. So that is, that's a surprise um, for sure. Florida State is an interesting team. That's a, a team that is – for whatever reason, they just start to hit their stride at the end of the year. That's a team that was unranked a lot of the year uh, but has got some big series wins. Florida – um, I, I find it not terribly surprising, but interesting that they are now back in the top 10. This is a team that started off uh, in the top five. Some of the polls had them in the top three at the beginning of the year, and then they dropped way down. They lost a lot of series that they should not have lost and struggled, but they're starting to hit their stride. That is a talented ball club uh, in Gainesville for sure. So there's some interesting stuff around. Um, the North Carolina schools, we've talked a little bit about the ACC baseball. Um, they just – for whatever reason, NC State had a good series win this last year, this last uh, week. But um, just just a weird year in the ACC, particularly for the Carolina schools. East Carolina carrying that torch uh, for the state, but um, uh, don't leave yeah, out the Forty Niners now. Don't leave out those Forty Niners. That's right. Very true. Very true. So you got two, uh, two you know surprises, I guess, if you will, um, in the state of North Carolina, but. Uh, yeah, you know, baseball's interesting, and um, we'll see how it shakes out the next couple of weeks. All right, what's on tap this weekend? We'll get Matt Herman's take on it as we are wrapping up our college baseball insight with our baseball guru, Matt Herman's this weekend on the Diamond. As far as teams in the top 25, we'll share with that. I know the season's winding down. What do we have, two more weeks before teams go off to their respective conference tournaments? Does that sound about right? Say that again, John. I, I the, missed you. Yeah, we have this weekend, and then it's conference tournament time, or is it two more weeks of college baseball before teams go off to their conference yeah. tournaments? So we, so, so com- we have one more weekend of conference baseball play, then we move into conference tournaments. Ah, all right. Thank you for clarifying that. All right, this weekend on the Diamond, a top 25 series in Columbia at Founders Park. South Carolina and number four, Tennessee, get together. The Red Raiders have the KU Jayhawks coming into Lebick for a series this weekend. Notre Dame's in the top 10. They're going to be taking on the Hokies of Virginia Tech. The top 20 East Carolina Pirates, ranked number 11th. EU will be in Tampa to take on UC, USF, rather. The Charlotte 49ers hosting the uh, Seahawks of UNC Wilmington this weekend. NC State and FSU, two top 20 ACC or two top 25 ACC schools getting together in Raleigh this weekend. Mississippi is going to be on the road. They'll be in Athens to take on the Georgia Bulldogs in a series. Mississippi State will head on Highway 82 east about an hour to take on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Florida and Arkansas, perhaps the best series of the weekend. They're going to be getting together at Bomb Stadium in Fayetteville in a top 10 showdown between the number nine Gators and the number one Razorbacks, SEC Network is going to have a lot of those games televised. Kentucky will be along West End taking on Tim Corbin's Vanderbilt Commodores. And you also have Texas back in action this weekend. They will be hosting West Virginia on the Longhorn Network here this weekend. And that is a look at your Southern teams in action on the Diamond here this weekend as we're winding things down for college baseball. What should we be looking for this weekend, Really, really looking forward to the series you mentioned a moment ago with uh, Arkansas and the uh, the Gators. Um, this is this is a club. The Florida 
Florida Club is a team that is talented enough to to beat Arkansas. Now, Arkansas is beating everybody else who's talented enough to beat them as well. Uh, but Florida's really hitting their stride. Florida's looking like a, a strong team. Um, Florida and Tennessee right now, the, the pride of the East, of course. But uh, I, I'm, I'm anxious to see that series. I, I'm really excited to see it because Florida is one of these teams that has really started to hit their stride. And Arkansas is fully uh, full strength. They got Kevin Copps back. Um, who who shut down the volunteers there at the end of that game uh, last week. So really excited about that series. That should be a very, very good one. I would say uh, nobody's getting swept in that one. Somebody's going to have a rubber match to win on Sunday. All right. That is one of the series we're talking about here for this weekend of college baseball with our our insider on college baseball, Matt Hermans. also wanted to talk about West Virginia and Texas does West Virginia have the ability to go into Austin and come away with a series win? Uh, West Virginia is, is not a not a uh, not a strong club this year. Uh, you know, it's baseball, so it, it, there is a you know there's always a chance you roll into Austin and uh, and win. But I, if I'm put it this way, I'm not a betting guy. If I'm betting <laughs> though, I'm going to go ahead and bet on the Longhorns. They're going to roll out. Uh, Ty Madden, who's throwing 100 miles an hour, 97, 98 all day. Um, he's going to roll lead off for him. West Virginia's really struggled, uh, not only uh, from the mound, but also um, with the bats. There, It's just going to be a lot. It's going to be a, a lot for them to come in and beat Texas. Texas smells the conference championship. Um, they're pretty close to doing that. And I think, uh, I think West Virginia needs to be prepared for a very, very rested, not rusty, uh, fired up Texas team in Austin. All right. Well, one of these days, we'll go ahead and get your take on the College World Series, your projection of who all is going to punch their ticket to Omaha. We'll have to save that for another time. Matt Hermans, we're just flat out of time this week on the Y'all Show. We thank you for coming on and being with us and talking a little college baseball, sir. I love it. you got to shut me up. I love college baseball. Well, we'll just let you keep going, but we're going to cut the recorder off so we don't get this. Matt Hermans, thank you very much. Always a pleasure talking to you, sir. And we will have more of the Y'all Show coming up. Don't miss out on the fun on the show that covers everything Southern. Paulina Jane here wrapping up our first hour of the Y'all Show. And guess what? Paulina Jane's going to be on with us in hour number two. And you're going to get to hear all about this rising country music singer-songwriter. You're just going to love her. And we're going to bring that to you in just a few minutes here on the Y'all Show. So stay tuned for a little PJ. Get your PJs on for Paulina Jane coming up hour two real quick. Let's go into the social media fun for a hashtag... Hullabaloo from Allison Brady at Brady and B3TA. 
who is building demand generation programs and platforms for our partners. And she writes here on social media at to us here at the Y'all Show Facebook page. Check that out. Allison Brady writes, first trip in 18 months, spending a few weeks in Georgia to fill up my heart with family and to eat all of the biscuits, specifically a cheddar biscuit at this moment, hashtag Southern. And it's got a picture of her driving down the highways and byways of the Peach State eating a beautiful, it looks like cheddar biscuit in her car, driving and eating biscuits. Now that's pretty darn Southern. I don't know where you've been living, Allison, but your first trip in 18 months spending a few weeks in georgia to fill up my heart with family and to eat all of the biscuits appreciate you sharing that with us we're gonna fill y'all up with good stuff in hour number two a look at headlines jennifer love hewitt is expecting we'll have information on that and then as we said paulina jane dropping by the singer songwriter in nashville we'll learn more about her career and we have a southern accent on business and also coming up hour three today We'll talk about the PGA Championship, courtesy of our golf insider, Jason Nall of College Tour X. All that on the show that covers the South. Paulina, get us out of here for this hour. It's hour two of the Thursday Y'all Show with General John Rawl, CSA, Certified Southern American. Good to have y'all back here for another fun 60 minutes plus we'll add on another 60 minutes on top of that. We got two more hours of talk about the South and we're glad that you have taken a little time out of your work day and or day off or whatever you're doing around the South here to learn about what is happening in this here part of the land we got another great hour coming up here. we got a great Southern American via Michigan that we'll be telling you about. Paulina Jane is our special guest here in hour number two. She's a singer-songwriter out of Nashville, and we're going to have a good time learning about how she found her way to Nashville and what she's doing, and we'll play some of her music as well. That's part of our Nashville Music Line Spotlight with Paulina Jane, and that's coming up this hour on the y'all show we also have a look at some entertainment headlines coming from all over the place not just nashville we've got some tinseltown news to tell you about including one former texas resident and a kind of big star deciding that they they are going to be they they're not going to be a he or she (laughs) and i'll tell you who that is and what uh, this is all about in part of our entertainment headlines of this second hour we also have a southern accent on business don't forget we got a preview of this weekend's PGA Championship from Kiowa Island. And Jason Nall will be on to tell us all about that here on today's Y'all Show. If you want to get in touch with us, our number, 803-816-1170. That is a number open for you 24-7. And you can text also to that number with a question or comment. We welcome your feedback, 803-816-1170, making it pretty darn easy for y'all to get in touch with us here at the y'all show all right looking at headlines as we begin the second hour of today's y'all show more rain in the gulf coast area louisiana getting hit at least portions near the gulf coast again soggy conditions this follows a really really bad spell of flooding and such in louisiana 
Governor John Bell Edwards issuing a state of emergency earlier in the week, and now more rain coming into the Gulf Coast area, and especially if you're going to be around Morgan City today, very, very wet conditions there, really all around New Orleans and Baton Rouge. You better have your raincoat on, but exactly what they didn't need to hear, more rain headed your way here on this Thursday. A former police officer in Memphis has now been indicted on a murder charge. 29-year-old Patrick Ferguson indicted on kidnapping and tampering and evidence charges as well as this former Memphis police officer accused of killing a man in the back of his squad car and then disposing the body and now has been indicted on first-degree murder charges. He's alleged to have killed Robert Lee Howard, who was reported missing by his girlfriend back on January 6th. That's when Ferguson was developed as a suspect and eventually admitted to investigators that he went to Mr. Howard's home, abducted him at gunpoint, and killed him in the back of his patrol car. Ferguson also said he left Howard's body at one location and enlisted help to move and dispose the body at another location. Another defendant is also part of this. But how about that? A former law enforcement officer in Memphis not just killing a person, and admitting to have killed them, but they ended up doing it in the back of their own squad car. Yeah, this is not a good scene or a good, not a good thing for the Memphis Police Department to have this going down there. Joe Biden is awarding a Medal of Honor, his first as president, to a Columbus, Georgia resident, as this man from Columbus, Georgia, is being recognized for his heroic action in the Korean War, Colonel Ralph Puckett Jr., who held to Hill 205, a strategic position near Unsan, and he held this back in November 1950 in the early days of the Korean War, and he held off numerous attacks during a battle in which he endured multiple wounds. And at the ceremony this week on Friday, the president of South Korea, President Moon Jae-in, will attend the ceremony alongside President Biden, and there they will give this American hero from Columbus, Georgia, the Medal of Honor. He'll be there with his wife of 68 years, Jean, and she'll join him for the presentation of the Medal of Honor to Columbus, Georgia resident Colonel Ralph Puckett, Jr., retired, and this 94-year-old Georgian who was a first lieutenant and commander of the 8th U.S. Army Ranger Company in November 1950 when his unit launched a daytime offensive on Hill 205. And as we said, he held off multiple North Korean assaults and did this brave act, and he'll be recognized here this week with the Medal of Honor. Now, this comes because Congress changed some of the ways that you receive the Medal of Honor as they lifted a requirement that such awards be made within five years of the commission of the act of valor for which the individual is being recognized. Now, the five-year limit was waived for Puckett and three other U.S. service members. Puckett's nomination still had to be approved by the defense secretary and by President Biden, and he becomes Biden's first Medal of Honor recipient. Congratulations for this. I won't say award. It's not an award. It's It's a Medal of Honor. It's not something you just go to a vending machine and and order up it's 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 our nation's highest military honor the medal of honor going to retired colonel ralph puckett jr the president of the west virginia chamber says 
Recent jobs reports show the economy is roaring back from the pandemic. Steve Roberts is president of the West Virginia Chamber of Commerce, said the most recent unemployment data shows the state's economy is coming back big, big, big from the economic effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. And he says, roaring back, if you want to know the gosh honest, honest truth here. The latest unemployment data released by Workforce West Virginia showed the state's total unemployment for April rose to 750,000, just 5,800 below April of 2019. Not that much difference, which was the best April since 2008, that according to the chamber president. April 2020 was the month that the COVID-19's pandemic's effects showed up in unemployment data. So while April 21 is fantastic compared to April 2020, it's important to compare this to month April 2019. 2019 was the year that West Virginia was approaching record employment levels. So returning to 2019 levels of employment has been a key in our recovery. As it stands now, we have almost accomplished that. Really good news coming from the Mountain State in West Virginia, total non-farm payroll employment increased to 3,200 in April with gains of 1,700 in the service providing sector and 1,500 in the goods producing sector. So very positive employment news coming out of the Mountain State. As the chamber president says, the economy of West Virginia is roaring back. Roar! All right. How about Gulf Shores, Alabama? You better be careful if you're going to go down on the beach looking for souvenirs because you just might find cocaine. Gulf Shores police recovering 31 kilos of cocaine, estimated value of a million dollars. They found this Monday night. It washed up on the Gulf Shores beach. Officers fielded multiple calls of cocaine turning up on the shore along the west end of Beach Boulevard. Oh, Better be careful out there in Gulf Shores this time of year. Gulf Shores police said they are unsure where the cocaine originated and are working with state and federal authorities. Not likely to see cocaine washing up at a beach near you anytime soon, but they sure had it at Gulf Shores over the weekend. How would you like to, with that drug money perhaps, how would you like to own your own Texas ranch? Well, you have the opportunity. One of the biggest ranches in Texas is up for sale, the Turkey Track Ranch and the Texas Panhandle. 80,000 acres along the Canadian River near the town of Borger, Texas. If you would like to own the 80,000-acre Turkey Track Ranch in Texas, which was founded in the 1870s, a huge cattle spread. It covers two counties, one of the first large ranches in the Texas Panhandle. It has been owned by the Coble and Wittenberg families for more than a century, and now the families have owned or hired the Dallas real estate broker, icon global group to put the property on the market later this year what's it going to set you back if you want to buy the eighty thousand acre turkey track ranch in the texas panhandle near borger only estimated to be a sale of 200 million dollars oh i think i would take that 200 million and maybe get me something at the beach but then again, 80,000 acres in Texas, does it come with a cowboy hat? Do you get the cowboy hat with the $200 million purchase? I sure hope so. And lastly, let's take you to Middle Tennessee. After 65 years of marriage, a couple in the community of Jolton have both died, and they both died within minutes of each other, holding each other's hands. How about this? 
heartwarming story. Charles Ray and Martha Jean Harris both ended up in the hospital for different reasons and just minutes apart. They both passed away while holding hands, and that is a, that's a way to go. They tied the knot when they were just 19 years old, and they raised three children together. One of the children, Richard, said Daddy was a Sunday school teacher and sang in the choir, and Mom was real involved in ladies' auxiliary. Their marriage and life together so many decades, they were they passed away at TriStar Skyline Medical Center in the Nashville area. But after 65 years of marriage, this couple dying, the Jolton, Tennessee couple dying here this week, passing away peacefully while holding hands, Charles Ray and Martha Jean Harris, lives well lived. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we're going to give you an update on entertainment. While we're talking here about lives being lost, people who've lived 65 years, long, what we hope productive, healthy lives, we've got announcements coming from Tinseltown about a life just beginning. We've got a Texas girl that's going to be birthing a baby. And I'll tell you who that is, Texas actress. All that coming up here in our entertainment report. Don't forget, also this hour, Paulina Jane, Nashville singer-songwriter, stopping by, and we're going to hear some of her music. All that right here on the show that covers everything Southern. That's the latest from Miranda Lambert, Settling Down. Catchy little tune, catchy little music video. I think it's her hubby that she's all snuggled up with if you have a chance to see that music video out on YouTube or CMT or wherever music videos are found these days. This is the Y'all Show, and this is our entertainment report of the Y'all Show. And if you don't mind, I'm going to spend a few minutes talking about Texas ladies and a former texas lady now this person has not died they've just decided they're not going to be a lady anymore i'll tell you who that is here 
And speaking of Miranda Lambert here on the Y'all Show, don't forget we also have a talented Nashvilleian coming up in the next segment. I'm going to be interviewing Paulina Jane, a new singer-songwriter, and she'll be on with us in the next segment as part of our Spotlight of Music Road, Nashville, Tennessee. And there was a time where Miranda Lambert was a singer-songwriter and a newcomer, and nobody hardly knew her. You can put me in that category as well. Well, in those days around 2005, 2006, I had a chance to get to know her a little bit and her parents, Rick and Bev, and uh, got to know Rick pretty well, actually. Well, our story is out about Miranda Lambert that her birth saved Rick and Bev's marriage. That, according to the star's mother, Bev, after nearing divorce, Miranda Lambert being a surprise pregnancy changed her parents' marital fortunes. Dunk, dunk, dum. Bev Lambert told Dave Grohl on an episode of just debuted Paramount television program From Cradle to Stage, we would have probably never seen each other again. That statement was related to Bev Lambert's admission that she and her husband, Randolph's father, Rick Lambert, were separated and facing divorce at the time of the singer's birth. Miranda Lambert, born there in East Texas. Rick and Bev met when Bev was 15 years of age. Bev jokes that upon meeting her then soon-to-be husband that Rick had long hair, had a pink jacket on. I was like Don Johnson then entered into my life. This is the best day ever. Back then, Rick Lambert was a guitarist and an undercover cop and a pretty wild guy, according to Bev. And they got married in 1983, I believe. And Miranda's got a brother, and uh, and Miranda was born. And so, yeah, they they nearly had a divorce before Miranda was born. Miranda born November 10th, 1983. And now Rick and Bev are divorced. And I never have officially, or don't know if they've officially said why they got divorced, but Rick and Bev together were private investigators at one time before Miranda got to be a singer. And uh, good good Texans. Like I said, I've had a chance to get to know them a little bit. Hadn't seen them in a number of years, but and they raised quite a talented young lady there. Although Miranda, at eighty, born in eighty three, she's pushing nearly forty years old now. <laughs> Oh, gosh, uh, that'll make you feel old. Miranda Lambert is going to be, what, uh, 30? She's 37 now, almost 38 years old. Been through a divorce of her own. Yeah, she's got the little track record, too. I don't know if, like her mom said about her daddy, if he was a wild guy. I don't know if Miranda's a wild gal, wild gal. But, yeah, this story out from cradle to stage if you want to check it out. But sometimes... Those unexpected things that happen in our life, in this case, the birth of a beautiful, blonde-headed Texas girl, Miranda Lambert, at least brought the Rick and Bev Lambert marriage further along. And they stayed married for 30 years at least, I think, before ultimately divorcing. Okay, and again, I don't know exactly what the reasoning was, and we'll just leave it there. How about that? Moving on, more headlines here on today's Y'all Show. Let's go tell you about another Texas girl. Jennifer Love Hewitt is expecting her third baby. You know her from 911. She also has children, uh, five-year-old Atticus James and a daughter, Autumn James. And now with husband Brian Hallisay, 
She announced this week on social media that she is pregnant with baby number three. She wrote on Instagram, Oh, baby, we have another one on the way. So excited to finally share this news with all of you. Jennifer Love Hewitt, who grew up in the Dallas area, and now she is going to have a third child. We wish her all the best. Does does a person like Jennifer Love Hewitt have a baby shower, you reckon, whenever they end up having a third child? I bet you the first child had a big old blowout. Jennifer Love Hewitt, we were just embarrassing Miranda Lambert with her age. Jennifer Love is now 42 years young, born in Waco, Texas, and born to a speech-language pathologist, Herbert Daniel Hewitt, and also she grew up in Nolanville in central Texas. She also has lots of family in Arkansas. Her parents divorced when she was young, and she was raised by her mom, Patricia, Patricia May Ship Hewitt is her name. So Jennifer Love Hewitt now going to have a third child. We wish her well. And let's see what else. Has she got anything going on besides 911? I don't see her working on any movies right now. Her last one was Jutopia in 2013. And frankly, I don't know if she's known for any great film work. It's mostly television work, but yeah, she's got this series where she's got the main role on nine one one, and she can answer the telephone for me anytime if if I call up with a problem. <laughs> the award-winning Jennifer Love Hewitt, a baby, and that's probably she would say the greatest award out there is being a mama. Another person with ties to Texas, Demi Lovato, announcing that they are non-binary and changing pronouns. Okay, here's where we have a little bit of a confusion on my part. I am sorry I was born in the 20th century. Some of the stuff just does not make any sense to me. But this singer who grew up part of her life in the Dallas area in Texas has revealed Demi Lovato. They are non-binary, changing pronouns, telling fans they are proud to make the change after, quote, a lot of self-reflective work. Now, Lovato is a singer but also a teenage movie star and is one of the world's most popular singers over the past decade. And she wrote on she, he, they, (laughs) I better correct myself, wrote on Instagram, every day we wake up, we are given another opportunity and chance to be who we want and wish to be. I've spent the majority of my life growing up in front of all of you. You've seen the good, the bad, and everything in between. And she's got a video statement. She says that I feel like this best represents the fluidity I feel in my gender expression and allows me to feel most authentic and true to the person I both know and am willing and still am discovering. That from Lovato. And Lovato adds that if you call Lovato... A female, she's not going to be too upset. She She's understanding. But she'd rather be called they. And you talk about, again, I'm sorry, I was born in the 20th century. When you start talking about people and they and them instead of she and he, it's just weird to me. I Call me old-fashioned. But, I mean, it's, this is just crazy how someone can not become a female or male anymore. They're non-binary. What in the heck? What? I'm sorry. I am sorry. Let's tell you more about 
Demi, mainly before she became a they. Demi's 28 years old, born in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and a singer, ended up moving to Dallas. Her mother, or their, they, their mother, a former Dallas Cowboy cheerleader, Diana De La Garza, and her daddy, a musician, Patrick Martin Lovato. And in the 1990s, her parents divorced, and she ended up moving, as I said, to the Dallas area. She could be she they she was a she then, so I guess I can say this. Demi Lovato, the female, began playing the piano and began dancing and acting, and ended up being on the TV series Barney and Friends, portraying the role of Angela, and also was in Prison Break, Just Jordan as well. Lovato was bullied and consequently consequently requested homeschooling. Perhaps that might be part of the decision-making going on now. But I'll tell you, when Demi Lovato was a female, instead of what Demi Lovato is now, I mean, I I would put her in the very cute category. I don't know what they is going to do now. I mean, what do you, from a sex life, what what do you do when you are a they? Do you have a sex life? I don't know. I'm I'm only asking these questions because this is fairly new territory for our entire world right now. I'm sorry. I had to bring this up here, but this is the story. Demi Lovato changing pronouns and is non-binary. And this kind of follows what's her, what's his name, their name. She, the uh, Ellen page, that other actress who also, I think switched from non-binary, I think down to a, to a, a male. I think it's talk about confusing. That's the story there. And lastly, in our entertainment headlines, this is a non-Texas female story. This is a Sharon Stone story. Sharon Stone, another great actress. Oh, Basic Instinct. Yeah, who wants to sign up and watch that sometime? Sharon Instinct says she can't stop the triple X cut of Basic Instinct from coming out. The actress appearing on an Australian TV show saying, I think there's more to come on that. They've decided to release the director's triple X cut for the 30th anniversary of the 1992 erotic thriller that Stone and Michael Douglas star in. And, yeah, a triple X rated. I can't imagine what all is going to be in there, but the film's plot centered on a police detective played by Douglas who becomes involved in a affair with Stone's character who is a suspect in a murder he's investigating. If you haven't seen Basic Instinct, it's, it's rather creepy. Sharon Stone says she cannot stop the triple X version of it coming out here for the 30th anniversary. Go ahead and get your VHS tape ordered of that when it comes out soon. And I know y'all know what I'm talking about. Basic instinct. You know what you also know I'm talking about? When we come back from the y'all show, we're going to have an awesome guest on, Paulina Jane. She's a Nashville-based singer-songwriter. And we're going to learn a whole lot more about this talented blonde and what she has to offer. And she could probably give Sharon Stone a run for the money if she got into the acting world. But right now, she's in the music world, and we'll learn what she's doing in Nashville and how we just missed out on her being interviewed by the Y'all Show in Key West, Florida. We'll also talk maybe a little bugs. All that coming up on the Y'all Show Talk with a Southern Accent.
And we're back on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent with your host, John Rawl. Hope everybody's doing good and some good music you're hearing coming right out of Nashville and Music Row here as we spotlight music that's good. And it's often country music on this day that we talk a big time music on the Y'all Show. Well, this next artist, this next guest we have coming on mixes a lot of influence in her unique brand. And she's doing it from Nashville, but she didn't grow up in Nashville. In fact, she didn't even grow up in the South. We're not going to hold that against her. Everybody welcome in what we call in the South a darn tootin' Yankee, Paulina Jane, and now joining us from Nashville, Music City, USA. Welcome into the Y'all Show, Paulina. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. I don't know if I've ever been called darn tootin' Yankee before. <laughs> I, I was trying to clean it up. I love it. Well, I'll take it. I'm glad you did. <laughs> yeah. Well, if everybody from Michigan came south with the kind of talent you have and the and the songs and more, then the whole state ought to be moving down south. And in fact, uh, after what they've had to go through with the pandemic, it wouldn't surprise me if Michigan is moving to Tennessee. Now that is the truth right there. My goodness. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm so grateful I've lived in Tennessee over the course of this whole period of time. <laughs> yeah. Well, Paulina and I were supposed to connect the other week, and unfortunately it just didn't work out. And you were getting your real Southern credentials checked the other week. You were in Key West, part of a songwriters event in Key West, Florida. How did that go? Did you get a tan? Oh my goodness, I got a tan, I got to jog by the water, I got to watch some of my favorite songwriters sing, you know, uh, it's a songwriters festival, so everybody from Nashville comes to the city of Key West, the little island of Key West, to hang out um, for the week, and so uh, that was really special, but I think my favorite part was I got to go and play at this venue, it's called Heroes Bar and Lounge, Um, it was over on Southern Street. And I played five nights in a row, three-hour sets each night, uh, upstairs, downstairs, in the balcony. It was basically a big, huge Nashville takeover in this wonderful venue. Um, had you ever heard of? Had you ever heard of Heroes Bar before? I have. I've not been there in person. Maybe you can guide us down there one day. But yeah, congratulations on getting to play at a cool venue like that. Oh, it was so wonderful. Well, what I thought the coolest part about it was is that um, they actually support military and men and women in blue. So uh, it was just really special to get to experience um, an environment like that. You know, it was really special to be a part of it. All right. So Nashville goes to Key West. Normally, when people live in the same town, they don't necessarily want to go on vacation with people from their same town. But when it comes to songwriters... I guess that's okay. Oh, yeah. We know how to have a real good time. So, um, you know, sometimes people might think that when you're in a writer's room, you're on vacation just about all the time. But uh, I uh, <laughs> I second that with, you know, you take that setting and put it in uh, the backdrop uh, with the backdrop of a beach and it becomes a real big party. So <laughs> there was some there was some late nights going on for sure there, John. <laughs> all right. Well, as mentioned, you're a native of Michigan. And is that the Great Lakes state? Sure is. Okay. Well, I, I, I don't know all of our 50 state nicknames, but I, I thought that was the right one. Uh, what part of Michigan are you from? Are you a country girl or are you from Mo- Motown? I'm from Motown originally. Really? Um, I am. <laughs> yep. I have. So 
funny. My, my mom grew up on a farm on the west side of the state. My dad grew up in a small little beat up part of town um, on the east side of the state. And they had moved all over the country and wound up back in Michigan. So um, that's why I was there. And <laughs> I sure loved my Detroit experience. It, it, it really got me ready for another music city. So. Well, great to hear. I made my first sojourn to Michigan about two years ago. I'm sorry, Paulina, I had not had the, I guess, luxury of growing up there like you did. And I got up there, and it was about this time of year. It was right at the end of May when I made my first sojourn to the Great Lakes State. And I'll be darned if I wasn't greeted by something there that I had not even seen yet in the South, and that was what was up there all over Lake Michigan or Lake Erie, that area, it was not mosquitoes, but they sure look like mosquitoes, and they're everywhere. What are those things called? We call them fish flies. Fish those flies. Those are fish flies. Well, they don't bite, <laughs> thank goodness, because I would have uh, left Michigan immediately. But they, they look just like skeeters, but, but they don't bite. They sure don't. And you want to know something funny when you're kids. When you're a little kid, you go and you pick those things up by the wings and you move them and you put them around. You play jokes on your friends, put them on the back of their shirt and everything. We used to have the best time with those little fish flies. Those things are harmless. (laughs) Are you much of a fisherman? I'm not. uh, You know, you'd think I would be if I grew up since I grew up two blocks away from the lake. Um, But. I've, I've been fishing a couple of times when I've gone up to my friend's cottages and my uncle's cottage. You know, it's real. It's a real big thing up in Michigan. You'd be surprised how country that state can get. Yeah, it is country outside of Motown, which we won't hold that against you that you're from the big city. But you now <laughs> live in Nashville and you live in Tennessee. And when I moved to Nashville, Paulina, I thought it was a state law in Tennessee that you had to fish. So you we won't tell many people here that you're not much of a fisherwoman. Well, I might not be a fisher, but I am a shooter. So that's where I prefer oh. to uh, spend my time. <laughs> a shooter? Oh, a big game hunter we have in Paulina Jane? <laughs> May very well. I'm actually, uh, I'm really into skeet shooting. That's one of my favorite things to do. I used to do that quite a bit up in Michigan. We'd go shooting over the lake, and uh, we'd throw these clay pucks right across the lake and shoot them up. They'd go right and fall down in the water. It's pretty cool. Great. Now she's going to be shooting instead of uh, skeet shooting. She's shooting for the top of the charts. In fact, congratulations. You were named by one outlet, one of the best new acts here in recent times. So congratulations on that. You've been playing a lot whenever you're able to. So I wish you all the best. And I know you and everybody else pretty much had to be silenced over these last 15 months or so. Looks like you're ready and willing and able to come out of the gate here big time post coronavirus. Oh, absolutely. I, uh, you know, I, I never really stopped. It just looked different. The kind of work I was doing looked different. I wasn't able to play on a stage, but I was playing in my house every single day, practicing, getting better, writing a ton of music, and um, just trying to be real worthy of, of the craft. So I'm grateful for, for 2020, as crazy as that may sound. Yeah. Now I've got to ask a question based on your setup there. Are you at your house now or studio? I sure am. You're okay. seeing my little studio right well, now. Well, <laughs> I see the studio and I see that uh, really kick butt Macintosh you got there in the background. So how proficient yep. are you on that? <laughs> uh, you know what? Last year I took the time to really sit down and learn Logic quite a bit. Um, which is a program for Mac. So 
I've been able to record a lot of my own stuff here at the house. In fact, I recorded a whole vocal for one of the songs I released last year right here in my house, up in How my about closet. That? Oh, really? <laughs> well, you can do that kind of stuff in today's world, and you you know, kudos on the backdrop, kudos on what you've got. Now, she has a website. We encourage everybody to go to paulinajane.com, and you can learn more about this talented. We're going to go ahead and call you Southern Girl, if that's all right. I'll take it. Yeah, and go there and learn a lot more about Paulina Jane and some of the music. She's got some videos out on the website that you can check out and learn more and sample. And also go to Spotify and download her music. We're going to talk about the latest thing that she's put up on there. But tell me about the music, and I assume it's the music and not that Macintosh computer in the background that led you to Music City. You know, it's funny. I uh, I was taking piano lessons from the time I was about five years old on, and I just fell in love with the instrument. Um, took a lot of time for me to get to that point, though, because my mom would, you know, be hitting me over the head, get down, play the piano. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, next thing I know, though, I I would just sit there and I just start messing around on the piano, playing these little things that just spoke to me and spoke to my soul. And there was stuff that was going on in my household at the time, and. And uh, I really believe that music was therapy for me in those moments. That's where songwriting was born in my life. But uh, freshman year of, of high school, I wound up playing my very first show. And there happened to be three industry guys there. And I signed a management deal with them six months later. And then six months from that, I was opening up for Show Crow uh, in front of 15,000 people at an amphitheater. <laughs> so it was... It was a pretty steep incline. I had to learn how to uh, either sink or swim. And I'm, I'm really grateful for those experiences early on. They, they sure did train me quite, quite well early on. So um, I, I got to come down to Nashville and, and write quite a bit here and meet Cheryl's band and you know, do the whole, the whole nine yards, basically, with, um, with the Nashville scene. It was pretty wonderful from the beginning. As mentioned, you can go to the website Paulina Jane and get samples of her music. And I never thought I'd see these words put together in a country music song, but I got to ask you about Big Booty Country Girl. Is that <laughs> going to be the future number one song and your debut number one song, Big Booty Country Girl? Tell me you're not a Big Booty Country Girl. <laughs> well, I couldn't sing about it if I wasn't, right? Okay. <laughs> Um, no, I, I wrote that song actually one time before I even came down to Nashville, I was making a road trip down and, uh, a couple of my friends and I were sitting in the car and we had a show coming up at third and Lindsley, which is one of my favorite venues here. Anyways. So we're driving down and we're getting delusional. You know how it is on a long road trip. You sit there in the car and it's late and you're tired and you've got to figure out how to make it the last three hours. Well, my friend's sitting next to me and she goes, shake it for your man, do the yeehaw twirl. And I looked at her and I said, what? <laughs> I said, what did you say? She said, shake it for your man, do the yeehaw twirl. I said, big booty country girl. <laughs> next thing I know, this whole song just pours out. We're in this delusional mindset and we are just laughing hysterically. When you have a biggish booty, you can't help but sling it wide. Skinny girls get skinny snooty, uh, but your boys get booty eyed. <laughs> These words just start pouring out. So 
I took a little Motown, a little bit of uh, rap stuff, you know, some that might people might do in Detroit, talk about booties. <laughs> and I do they really talk about booties music. in Detroit? <laughs> Maybe a topic of discussion. <laughs> okay. Well, you've got it right there on the website. If people think we're joking, check it out. Did your buddies in the car headed south get co-writing credits on this? writing credits i told them they could too they said i don't know i'm good <laughs> okay well you take that money and run and shake that i'm a, i can't say anything a, a man cannot say anything about a woman's age weight and i assume they're posterior so i'll just i'll just shut up and plead the fourth on this one that's just one of the songs that you'll get. Also there, if you go to the website and learn more about Paulina Jane, our very special guest here on the Y'all Show, you've got this out right now, Credit. Tell me about Credit from Paulina Jane. Well, Credit is a, a song that's really near and dear to my heart because um, it's something I truly I truly believe and something I really value in my life, which is my faith. It's all about that. Um Let's see. In the end of 2019, I was backstage. Uh, my mom was able to come to my show because my last show was up in Detroit for the year. And we were hanging out and this random security guard came up to her and she said, um, my goodness, you are just so joyful. I want to know. I want to know how you get that joy. Where does that come from? My mom just looked up to the sky and she said, well, I can't take credit for that. It's the big guy upstairs. And I sat there in the little green room and I started writing this song. And then I called my friend from Nashville and I said, we need to finish this up. And uh, next thing you know, the the whole entire chorus just poured out right before I even started playing my set. God, you get the credit because you bet it wasn't me. That was the whole premise. And that is out right now. Is this your latest single? It's one of them. Okay. I just released a single uh, in March called Drove By with a music video that I'm just so excited about. I got to have some of my Detroit musicians play on it, some of my Nashville musicians play on it, and uh, we recorded here at Universal Studios down here in Nashville. So it was, it was a special experience. Paula J- Paulina Jane wrapping up our conversations with this talented Southern girl. On the Y'all Show, speaking of the South, how's it been for you to get adjusted to Southern life? You know, I got to say, it, it didn't feel much different to me um, than than how I grew up. I think the essence of Southern life is uh, really being a, a good person and taking care of the people around you. And I was raised to be like that. Um, and I do my best to hold that up every day and so I, I have to say it's been a pretty natural progression for me to be down here. It's been seven years now, so it feels like home. And as the South's voice here, John Rawl of the Y'all Show, I have to do my due diligence. Um, when are you going back up north? That's <laughs> a great question. <laughs> I think I think I'm headed up in June or no, July. No, I'm talking about perm- are you going to permanently go back up there? Is my question. <laughs> <laughs> are you telling me I should? <laughs> no, I'm not telling you that. No, I'm not telling you that. Oh, I, I figured you would have a smart aleck answer because you should have had one. <laughs> no, listen, I was I was just assuming you were going to be nice to me. <laughs> no, no, I'm I, I'm nice. Now we're glad you're here. We're hoping everything's working out for you, and we'll continue to work out. Look, I moved to Nashville. A long time ago, and I didn't move there to necessarily be a singer, 
But where you are is Music City, USA. It is a town, truly, that dreams can come true. It is a town if you work and you pay your dues. And if you stay in the game long enough, good things will happen. I have no doubt good things are in store for Paulina Jane. And and I'll, uh, I'm trying to creatively say this. This is why I'm not a singer-songwriter. If it all happens, Paulina, then you can give me the credit. I love it. You'll get some of it for sure, John. No, I'm no, I, I don't want to credit. But no, you just hang in there. That's how music, and this isn't just for you. It's for all of our listeners and viewers here of the Y'all Show. If you want to be in the game, it sure helps to be where the game is played. And so that's why people like Paulina, they get in their cars and they sing big booty songs en route to Nashville. But ultimately, <laughs> things might just happen for them. And that's why here on the Y'all Show, we got to catch our our little booty singers when we can because one day they'll be too big for their britches. <laughs> oh, I think you're ready to write a song. <laughs> no, nah, I don't think. Yeah, well, you could write one called Bridges. Paulina, again, the website, paulinajane.com. How else can people find out about you and what you got coming up tour-wise, album-wise, etc.? I am all over Instagram and Facebook. Um, I do a little bit on TikTok. Uh, Snapchat, the whole shebang, baby. Everything you can imagine. I uh, I try to keep in touch with people on there. I just love love connecting. All right, and again, paulinajane.com, the website. Best of luck to you, and uh, keep it keep it southern, and and we'll catch up with you when you drop about a hundred y'alls in an interview like this. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I'm grateful to be here. All right, everybody, Paulina Jane. She's going she's gonna to turn heads and make a lot of big moves one of these days for sure. That will wrap up our y'all.com, y'all show spotlight on music. Hang on. More of the show that covers everything Southern is headed your way after this. Stay tuned to the y'all show. Accent. Here's the Business South update from y'all.com. I'm Kobe Bennett. In coming Georgia, Deanna and Alan Johnson strive to make the most authentic lightsabers on this side of the galaxy. Star Wars has always been common grounds for the couple as they journeyed through multiple business ventures. After Alan and his son both broke their leg at the same time, they started saber crafting as a means of therapy. Now their company, Vader's Vault, sells custom-built advanced sabers that come with a ton of optional features. The sabers they sell don't come cheap, ranging from $400 to $2,600. But with their high costs comes the guarantee of quality with construction using the best material available on the market. Vader's Vault comes highly recommended by many Star Wars fans on YouTube. And the Vault has its own channel where it showcases its new sabers and new advances in the tech they use to build them. Check out their website at vadersvault.com. Business news, headlines, and more at y'all.com. All right. So that is a good information courtesy of Kobe Bennett right here on the show that covers everything Southern. Well, that will put a wrap on Hour 2, and we'll be back here in just a few minutes to give you the third hour of our Thursday fun conversation about the South. Jason All College Tour X is going to be on in Hour 3 to help preview the PGA Championship from Kiowa Island 
in Charleston, South Carolina. And that just got teed off here. And we're teed off about it. Uh, That got teed off earlier today. We'll tell you about it here. All that is part of the fun. Plus, Tim Tebow officially a Jacksonville Jaguar. That's part of our sports headlines. And that's coming your way after the break. Stay tuned to y'all. It's the third hour of the show covering everything Southern. I'm John Rawl, your friendly fellow Southerner, along for the ride. Hope y'all doing good. Oh, it's um, most of the South today. It's absolutely stunning, and we hope you're enjoying some nice sunshine and nice warm temperatures. It's the kind of day you can walk outside with a t-shirt and shorts on, and you ought to be just fine. Now, if you're in part of the Gulf South, you might want to have a raincoat and or umbrella with you because you're getting hit by more showers potential flooding louisiana mississippi and more but for the most part i think we're a chamber of commerce type day here across dixie this is y'all where we do mix in all kinds of good stuff for you and in this final hour of our thursday y'all show we're going to have a lot of sports talk here to start things off and we'll have with sports talk on our mind Jason Nall dropping by in the forthcoming segment. He's going to help us get a preview of this weekend's PGA Championship. They got things going at Kiowa Island early on this Thursday, and we'll have you a good preview of Jason Nall, who really, really puts his money where his mouth is. He, he'll talk about that. And we'll get his take on who he thinks is going to walk away with the big old trophy on Sunday from Kiowa Island in Charleston County, South Carolina, right there on the beautiful Atlantic coast of the Palmetto State, a.k.a. the South Carolina Low Country. We'll have Jason on in the next segment previewing the PGA Championship. We also have a look at headlines from across the region. And before we get out of here this hour, a look at festivals taking place across the Southland here this weekend and to give you a little snapshot of what is in store this weekend you got the pine straw festival we'll tell you where that is this weekend you got a lobster festival in texas going on this weekend a jazz festival also you also in huntsville alabama have a fair to check out and a music festival in savannah georgia that's got Wynton marcellus and rodney crowell a part of it i'm going to tell you about all of these places before we get out of here today so hang on for the fun our website is y'all.com. It is the homepage of the South. You can go there and get great stories from throughout the South. And a lot of the interviews that we do here at the Y'all Show are posted right there at y'all.com. And you can watch many of those interviews. You can you can actually see just how pretty our second hour guest is. And that's not me. That's Paulina Jane. She was on with me, and we had a great discussion. I want to thank her for being our very, very special guest in Hour 2. You also can tune in Hour 1 of today's Y'all Show and see the video interview with Matt Hermans, and you can see how pretty he is. Not me, but Matt. Our barrister of Bodacious Barbecue also is a college baseball insider, and we have a video interview of him up at y'all.com right now if you want to watch that. And, of course, we have a video forthcoming of Jason Nall talking about the PGA Championship, all at the home page 
of the South. Our tele, if you want to give us a ring, is 803-816-1170. That's a number you can text as well at your leisure. We appreciate all of our listeners. We appreciate all of you who get us each and every day via podcast. We're growing that big time and just want to thank you for being part of the movement of the South. Looking at some sports headlines, and today, big news out of Duval. Tim Tebow signing a contract with his hometown, Jacksonville Jaguars, and it looks like he's going to be given a, a real shot to be on this NFL team roster when the season starts. Now, he's got a lot of work to do between now and September when the season for the Jags begins, but yes, he signed as a tight end on this Thursday, and that reunites him with Urban Meyer, the former coach that he had at the University of Florida, signing a one-year deal, and he'll be practicing and getting ready for what he hopes is going to be a very big turnaround for the Jags in 2021. This is a program that's brought in Travis Etienne from Clemson to kind of be a Swiss Army Knife player for them. And, of course, it goes to the number one draft, that Trevor Lawrence, also out of the Clemson Tigers. He is the quarterback of the future for this franchise and now the Jags with Tim Tebow signing this contract as a tight end he and Urban Meyer reunited and it feels so right he put a statement out today saying I want to thank the Jaguars for the opportunity to compete and earn the chance to be a part of this team Tebow adds I know it will be a challenge but it is a challenge I embrace I am dedicated to taking the direction of our coaching staff and learning from my teammates. I appreciate everyone's support as I embark on this new journey. Now, if he is able to make the team and he's able to play in the fall, Tim Tebow will be 34 years old. He turns 34 in August. He's not played the sport of football since the 2015 NFL preseason. He spent the last six years working as a broadcaster on the SEC Network. I think he does a pretty good job. I think he needs to calm down some of his wardrobe and his hairstyles a little bit. That's just me being a a curmudgeon here. But Tim Tebow has also been a professional baseball player. He made it to the minor leagues, the Mets organization. His very first bat as a single-A baseball player for the Columbia Fireflies was a home run. So he wasn't a bad baseball player, just didn't make it to the majors. A lot of people don't make it to the majors. But during his previous career as an NFL player, he started out with the Broncos, then played with the Jets, Patriots, and Eagles before getting cut. And now, all these years later, he will be given a chance to be a tight end for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Tebow becomes the sixth tight end on this Jaguar roster, joining other tight ends such as Chris Manhurts, who most recently played for the Carolina Panthers, James O'Shaughnessy, he's got Luke Farrell, Ben Ellison, and Tyler Davis on the Jaguar chopping block, if you will, of tight ends. Denver took Tebow back in 2010 with the 25th overall pick, the former Heisman Trophy winner out of Florida being picked there. He went on to be a 7-4 and starter throwing 12 touchdowns and six interceptions with the Broncos in 2011. But then Denver added a guy named Manning in the offseason and ended up winning a Super Bowl with quarterbacks like Peyton Manning on the roster for Denver. So I guess they made a good choice there in the Mile High City. Tebow grew up in Jacksonville. He started at Nice High School before going on down to Gainesville from Nice and playing for the Florida Gators, helping them win the national championship as a backup to Chris Leak in 2006. And then 
As a sophomore, he won the Heisman Trophy in 2007, and in 2008, he led the Gators to another national title. So how about that? What a three-year run. National championship, Heisman Trophy, national championship. That's pretty good. I think I think that's pretty good, and Tim Tebow's done that, and he's just a great guy. If you hate him, you're going to hate seeing this kind of story come out on this Thursday. But if you love Tim Tebow, it's a it's a great Southern story, and we wish him all the best as he looks to make his hometown Jaguars as a tight end. NBA action from Wednesday at the FedEx Forum. The Memphis Grizzlies outlast the San Antonio Spurs by four. 196 Memphis advances. They'll take on the Golden State Warriors. And they'll take them on. Loser, your season is over. Winner, you get the eighth spot in the Western Conference in this play-in created by the NBA this season. Lakers were able to dispatch the Warriors 103-100. So the Lakers are the seventh seed in the Western Conference. But the Grizz outlasting the San Antonio Spurs at Memphis. And now Memphis gets a trip to San Francisco to take on the Warriors and Seth Curry. And winner will be the eighth seed in the NBA's Western Conference. What is on the hard court today? You've got the play-in culmination taking place from the eastern side of the bracket. And the Pacers will be at Capital One Arena where the Wizards await. Winner advances to be the eighth seed. Loser, your season is kaput. Pacers, Wizards, they tip off at 8 Eastern, 7 Central on TNT in the NBA Eastern Conference. Now to some college athletics news. The first female athletic director in the history of Duke University is now in the books. Nina King promoted at Duke as she will be the university's next athletic director. King joined Duke's athletic department in 2008 and serves as a senior deputy director of athletics, replacing Kevin White, who retires in September after 13 years at the ACC school. Nina King will become the first woman to serve as Duke's AD and the third black woman to lead a Power 5 athletic department, joining Carla Williams at Virginia and Vanderbilt's Candace Lee. King, in a statement, said, I am deeply committed to continuing the strong tradition of academic and athletic excellence at our world-class institution. My priority will be to ensure that the experience is truly elite for our student-athletes, coaches, staff, and the entire Duke family. This is a tremendous honor, and I look forward to ushering Duke Athletics into the next chapter. Hashtag Go Duke. Now, she has a degree and a law degree as well, from Notre Dame, a 2000 graduate of Notre Dame, where she was not an athlete. She served as the head manager for the women's swimming and diving program. And now she went on. Oh, I'm sorry. She did not get a law degree. My apologies. She got her law degree from another little school you probably never heard of called Tulane. (laughs) And then she went back to Notre Dame as an athletic administrator after her degree from Tulane University of Louisiana. And the commissioner of the ACC, Jim Phillips, with a statement saying that Nina King is a terrific choice and congratulations to Duke on an outstanding hire. Nina is a person of tremendous integrity with quality experiences and insight that will serve Duke, its student-athletes, coaches, alumni, and fans extremely well. So this roughly 40-year-old female 
becoming the athletic director of the ACC's Duke University. Congratulations. Now, this person not hired to be athletic director, but they got a pretty big job at the University of Texas as Cliff Crooms has been hired to be the director of the University of Texas Longhorn Marching Band. And he becomes the first black director of the Longhorn Marching Band. And this follows some unnecessary controversy about one of the most famous songs in the University of Texas Longhorn Marching Band's repertoire, The Eyes of Texas. Some people have said it should stop being played there on the 40 acres because of criticism over racist elements in the song's past. Okay, but this guy, Crooms, comes over from LSU, the best marching band in college athletics, LSU. Why? Because I think they're the biggest one, first of all, but they're also pretty fun, and they just do a good job, go Tigers. Cliff Crooms now going back to his alma mater, and he'll be the head of the Longhorn Band. He replaces Scott Hanna who's had that role since 2015. Crooms is the 15th director of the band that was founded in 1900. That has to be one of the oldest marching bands in the entire Southeast. But the Big 12's athletics department announcing that the University of Texas has a new Longhorn marching band director strike up the band for Cliff Crooms. The eyes of Texas are upon you. In fact, I need to play that here as we go to break just to – Get all of our Texas Longhorn fans excited on the Y'all Show. We mix it in. We play a little bit of everything for y'all. And we certainly, here on the Y'all Show, like to play and tell you about what's going on across the South in terms of sports and news and everything that y'all need to know. That is what we do. So stay tuned. We're going to switch over from telling you about the Texas Longhorns and fight songs and stuff. We'll come back from this break and switch over and tell you about the PGA Championship. It's taking place right now at the Ocean Course at Kiowa Island in Charleston, South Carolina. And we'll have an informational update courtesy of our y'all.com insider on golf, Jason Knoll. He's also the managing partner at College Tour X. Mr. Knoll dropping by for a PGA Championship preview. That is up next here on the Y'all Show. As long as you're still in the state, you're okay. 
A major golf championship comes to the South Carolina Low Country. Welcome back into the Y'all Show. Hello, it is PGA Championship Week at Kiowa Island, the ocean course just outside of Charleston. And the big golfers of the world find themselves there in the south end of Charleston County this week for this second major of the year. I'm John Rawl. We're going to talk golf courtesy of the y'all.com insider that we have here, our big-time paid consultant on all things golf. It is Jason Nall when he's not serving as the y'all.com golf analyst. He's also the managing partner of College Tour X. And Jason Nall, golf extraordinaire, is on with us right now. Welcome in and happy PGA Championship Week. Well, thank you, General. Yes, happy PGA Championship Week. I'm still getting used to this shift in the schedule and the PGA Championship now in May versus being Glory's last shot in August, as it always was. But, hey, it's PGA Championship Week, and what a great golf course. Kiowa very, yeah, great so golf course, a very long golf course. Just how long is it? So uh, the rumor is it'll be set up as much as 7,900 yards, which would make it uh, the longest set up course set up for any major championship in, in history so uh, you're going to have the ocean winds which will be there as well as uh, massive distance to the green uh, should should um, should make for an interesting uh, situation and because of that length jason are you forecasting some of our heavy long distance type golfers to be in the mix for the championship of this event I, mean, I definitely think you have to factor that. It has to be a factor. You know, not making my picks, as you know, I, you know, I look at things through a gambling lens, and uh, you yes, know, with you gambling do. now, <laughs> with gambling now legal here in Tennessee, I'm going to talk to you a lot about the odds on uh, FanDuel, which does a really good job of uh, offering golf gambling options. And uh, when I look at that. And made my picks for the week. It definitely had to be somebody that could move that ball off the tee. And uh, I think it, this long of a course over four days uh, is going to eliminate some of the shorter knockers. Now, that said, last time the PGA Championship was there, Roy McIlroy won in 2012 by eight strokes. Roy McIlroy certainly is a smasher of the golf ball. But uh, some of the other people who finished in the top ten weren't necessarily the longest hitters. Um I, I, I still think you over four days at 7,900 yards, you better favor the long ball. And you mentioned there, it's it's hard to believe it's been, I think you just said 2012, that was the last time Kiowa Island hosted a PGA championship? Yeah, it was. So they had the 91 Ryder Cup, Ryder Cup there, the Battle on the Beach, a famous Ryder Cup back when uh, it was still really American domination in the Ryder Cup. And uh there was some there was some bad blood between the Europeans and the Americans and at that Ryder Cup, so it's fairly famous. And then and then in twenty twelve, the PGA championship was there, which has almost been a decade now, and Roy McElroy won that one. And I remember that championship well, mainly because it was there in Charleston. But also, if you go back and look at the YouTube clips of that tournament, it was the eventual champion of that. It was Rory McElroy who had a ball on that Saturday round get stuck and maybe lost in a tree. Am I right on that? He did. And I, I had the um, 
I had the opportunity to play uh, the Ocean Course two years ago, and that tree's uh, a rather famous landmark. And, you know, it's a caddy course, and my caddy was sure to point out the tree where Roy uh, McElroy's ball came to rest and was an unplayable eye in the tree. And this was not a pine tree. These are those little small, sort of small oak trees there on the course. There yeah. aren't that, really aren't that many trees there, I don't think. Not that many, and uh, you know, had that it's an oak tree with that Spanish moss on there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How did you do when you played it? Uh, you know, actually, I played one of my best buddy trip golf rounds ever. I shot an eighty-four. Uh, winds were howling, and uh, that eighty-four. Uh, put some hundreds in my pocket. It was a good score that day on that course. Now, Roy McIlroy shot 19 under par the four days he was there. So, uh, And I shot 12 over par, and I was happy with my score. It just shows you just how good those dudes are. You reckon Roy put any hundreds in his pockets after he won in 2012? Yeah, yeah. He had a little folding money after that win for sure. <laughs> no question about it. No that's, question that's, about it. That's so why Roy we love this last week, right? So Roy's back in action. He's been really – uh, off the off the radar, so to speak, for about three years. Uh, got married, and uh, um, as Bobby Jones said, the most important real estate in the golf course is golf courses are six inches between ear to ear. And um, Roy's uh, been working with Doctor Bob Rotundo on his mental game, and he's doing good. I got to double check Bobby Jones, the great one on that one. Is that is that about six inches there? How many how many people have a ruler right in front of them? I just happen to have that. Oh, you got more space to deal with. You got a big old watermelon head, so you got about seven inches there. Oh, thank you, thank you. The interview is now we're, over we're, with. Jason, getting back together, coming off a win last week. Uh, you would think the defending champion would be hard to beat here, but I, I've got some other options out there that I, I like this week and I think you can fade Roy I don't think his game's in good enough shape to go back to back and I just don't see him uh, winning this event yeah he's had the the new wife come in the picture recently and a new baby and and he just won in Charlotte like you said the previous weekend on the PGA Tour we had an event Metroplex that a Korean golfer won that and Lee advances to play in this PGA Championship this weekend so Rory is in the mix what about any of our good American or Southern golfers who do you expect to have a big week in Charleston well you know I I looked from an American standpoint my one lone American pick and I think honestly the Americans are up against it a bit in this tournament other than Americans typically have good length off the tee is this is going to be a windy course more of a link style course Uh, certainly will look more like a uh, open championship across the pond than your typical PGA championship and for that reason you know, I've kind of leaned a little bit into some players that have experience on the European tour on the Euro- European continent uh, here. So, I, but if you want my, 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 I'll give you my long shot special first because he is American. Are, are these 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 golfers these picks? Are these the ones you've gone to Vegas with? Or are you just kind of uh, keeping that uh, close to the vest? These picks I actually have in play. On FanDuel and my FanDuel account. My, uh, so these are live grenades, so to speak. These are live wagers I'm giving you here. All right, buddy. Mm-hmm. So my long shot for top 20 happens to be the only American I played this week is Kevin Kisner. Uh, Kisner has, um, 
I know a short game coach fairly well. I had a little bit of a conversation with him a couple of weeks ago, and uh, Kisner's game has really just been lacking uh, putting. And so for a short game coach to tell you his putting is lacking, it's not the greatest endorsement on his on his ability to coach up a player, but he says he's almost there. And uh, so with his coach saying he's almost there, and I kind of feel like the biggest factor this weekend – is not going to be putting. In most tournaments, it is. But, yeah, you're going to have to make some putts here. But if you can control your ball in the wind and be a great iron player this weekend, uh, you're going to have a great chance. And Kisner is a great iron player. Let's say he gets, gets his putting going a little bit. It doesn't have to be spectacular. It just needs to be good enough. I like him for a top 20 finish. You can catch him at eight and a half to one to finish top 20. Uh, in this tournament on FanDuel. So, you know, you want to put down a little pizza money, a 20 spot, you, you can get back almost $150 if he gets in the top 20. To me, that's a pretty good return on American that, that is really getting better, and I'm looking to see you break out over the next couple of years. And shout out, he is from the state hosting this event, Kevin Kisner, a resident and native of Aiken, South Carolina, just across the Savannah River from Augusta, Georgia. But he'll make his way down there, and you just heard Jason Nall, our guy that you want to go to FanDuel and, and follow, and make your, uh, he's going to make you rich, right? Hey, uh, you got you to do your own research. This is for entertainment. There's 140 golfers starting this tournament. I'm trying to give you three of them that I like. Uh, you know, so I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend, uh, you know, <laughs> putting the 401k to work there. But if you got a little free money, a little entertainment money, I think Kisner at eight and a half to one to finish in the top 20, I think that's a heck of a bet. Go get it. Go get All it. All right. Well, let's keep it on the uh, home side of the stadium for our next guy I want to ask you about. And that's a fellow from about uh, 50 miles up the road from Aiken, Dustin Johnson, Irmo, South Carolina boy, and a guy who – has not got a PGA championship, I don't think, in his repertoire. He's got a U.S. Open and a Masters, so he'd like to have this chip added to his table. What about Dustin, DJ? I'll start with a positive. I think DJ is the best driver of the golf ball on the planet, and I have for a decade. And now that DJ has – for a while, the knock on DJ was that he couldn't putt, and, and it cost him a U.S. Open. But he was able to to correct that, and now he's a good putter. So when you're the greatest driver of the golf ball on the planet and an above-average professional in the putting uh, realm, you're going to have a lot of success. And so that's why DJ has uh, been the number one player in the world off and on for the last year and a half. Uh, he's he's um, certainly one of the top five day in, day out. That said, something ain't right. I don't know what it is, but something ain't right with DJ right now. I uh, don't like his chances this week. Now, the one thing that he'll have, certainly like Kisner have a lot of familiarity with this track over here on Kiowa Island, and that might get it right. But I don't, I can't put my thumb on it. But something isn't right with DJ right this second. Now, does he break out this week and 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 get it all going the right direction? Maybe because it is a, a familiar area for him and somewhere he should have some confidence and some great course knowledge. But overall, with his game, I mean. It's just it's not where it was a year ago. All right. We're talking with Jason Nall, College Tour X here on the Y'all Show, getting you ready for the PGA Championship taking place Thursday through Sunday at the Ocean Course on Kiowa Island in the low country of South Carolina. 
And I don't want to keep you from looking over at your notes. I, I kind of had you veer off talking about Dustin Johnson. You mentioned Kevin yeah. Kisner. Who else is on your big bet line here this week? Well, I've got uh, you know, I've got I've got a Canadian Corey Connors, who's just a top ten machine. Uh, he's fallen off a bit the last couple of weeks, and uh, you know, made cuts but not made the top ten, which has eased his prices a little bit. There's a little more value on him, so for a top ten finish, you can get five to one on Corey Connors this week. I really like that. I think that's a great play at five to one to finish top ten, and then. John Rahm, the Spaniard, uh, I think he's going to eat this course alive. He's really my favorite to win the course, and I don't ever give picks to win the tournament. I give top 10 and top 20. It's just too hard to pick a winner of a golf tournament. Uh, but if you get somebody that plays well and well enough, a top 10 is doable, I would say. So John Rahm is, is a little over one and a half to one to finish top 10. Uh, other than Rory, he's the lowest odds player on the board. But I do like John Rahm at one and a half to one. Corey Connors at ten or at five to one for top tens um, this weekend. Uh, not Americans, I know that hurts you, no. John. But I really, I really like uh, I really like those two guys uh, to have a great chance at the top ten. And then along with my long shot Kisner in top twenty, those are the three plays I have. Now I do have some boots on the ground in Keel Island this week. At Gandy Golf, who's a, a great instructor and a former PGA caddy, and he he was kind enough to uh, give me his feel from the from the golf course today, and he's got some different picks. Uh, he likes Roy McIlroy. Seen something out there this week that makes him think that Roy can repeat back to back wins on the PGA Tour and defend his PGA Championship there at. at Kiowa from 2012. He liked Roy McIlroy at a little over even money to finish top 10. And he likes Tony Finau. Tony Finau, another top 10 machine, uh, doesn't get many wins, but he does He does finish high a lot. And Finau's a little over three to one for top 10. Um, and then at Gandy Golf on Twitter, got to follow at Gandy Golf on Twitter, as well as myself at Big Daddy C1000 on Twitter to get our picks weeks in and weeks out. But he likes his long shot, Harold Varner the third. Oh, top twenty five and a half to one odds to finish top twenty. Oh Harold Varner the third. So that's from at Gandy Golf who's on the grounds. He is a PGA professional, a teaching professional, and a former caddy for Y.E. Yang on the PGA tour. He uh he and I conversed this afternoon and that's what he's come up with and of course, his money will be where his mouth is, too. Uh, he also has a fan duel account. He's also from Tennessee. All right. And Harold Varner to the third, he'll definitely stand out there on the course. You know why? Why is that, John? He's a Carolina Panther fan. <laughs> there you go. That's right. That's right. Carolina Panther fan. Yeah. Um, He's also black, and I think he'll be the only black golfer out there on the course since Tiger Woods is not playing in this thing. But uh, he's a North Carolinian, so we wish Harold Varner III all the best in this. Yeah, Varner's played well uh, of late, too. I, I I lean toward Kisner's my long shot. He likes Harold Varner the third in his long shot. But as a betting strategy, I, I think it's good to grab a, a, one of those long shots. It's five to one or, or greater for a top 20. Uh, you can put a little money on there. And, and if, you're, if your pick is right, you're going to get paid well uh, if, if they get there. So, again... Uh, just, just the way the way I look at it is, is I, 
I'll play top 20 finishes and top 10 finishes. And my longer shots, I'll do top 20s. And the, and the players that, that I feel like uh, have, a, have a, maybe a, a little better track record in the majors or are a little hotter coming in, I'll do the top 10s uh, to get the odds on. But check it out on FanDuel. FanDuel's got – they do a great job giving you all kind of options, especially on the majors. For these golf tournaments, I've tell me, tell me, Jason Nall, tell me at least that organization you keep talking about is paying you some money. <laughs> no, I pay them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I had to make a PayPal deposit last night to get some money in there to play oh. to play this major championship. I, I'm just a player, man. I mean, I, what they do is they allow me to uh, move uh, a larger amounts on these golf tournaments that I like to do. And, and, and they offer uh, really nice limits. Uh, uh, they're not restricting your play, at least to this point in Tennessee. And so I, I'm, I'm happy with uh, the service they provide as a uh, legal bookmaker here in the state of Tennessee. Do you mind if I send the good folks at that organization a copy of this interview and maybe they'll just start at least paying me? <laughs> you send them whatever you want. In fact, I've got a radio show and, and, and a YouTube show called Nall or Nothing over here in Cleveland, Tennessee, once a week where we talk nothing but sports gambling. And uh, I sure would love to have FanDuel be involved with us on that show and and, and advertise on our, our, our great radio station over here in Tennessee, 101.3 The Buzz. Yeah, Cleveland, Cleveland Bradley County. Tennessee. Jason Nall wrapping up our conversation. Hey, I can't let this go because some people are forecasting this guy to pick up his first PGA championship. What about Texas boy Jordan Spieth? Is he going to have a chance to win this thing? So Jordan's playing great. Uh, Jordan's putting good again. Uh, here's the thing with Jordan, and, he, and I'm not going to say he can't win it. It would be great. He could, he could close out the Grand Slam by grabbing the PGA championship this week. And let's certainly hope – but it's not like Arnold Palmer and he's just a PGA championship away from a grand slam once his career is over. However, I do think Jordan's up against it. He is not the longest hitter. He's in the, you know, the bottom half of driving distance uh, statistics on the PGA tour. So uh, I go back to what I said to start out this conversation over four days at 7,900 yards. It's going to put so much stress on speed, long irons, and it's, and then his short game uh, around the greens. If he's going to win it, he's going to have to have an amazing putter, and I don't think that's going to be what is going to win this tournament this weekend. I think it's going to be distance off the tee and being able to have shorter irons in and, and, and hit those greens and, and get a lot of two putts. All right, and it is the PGA Championship this couple of days, Thursday through Sunday from Kiowa Island, South Carolina, Check it out. Ought to be a lot of fun for this second major of the year. Now, we've been promoting here on the screen and a little bit with him plugging when he's not bragging on FanDuel. College Tour X is where you'll find Jason Nall. He is the managing member, the whatever your managing partner of that. Tell me about College Tour X. What you got going on there this summer? Well, we've got a great schedule this summer. In fact, we kick it off down in uh, Dalton, uh, not Dalton, Georgia. Yeah. Dalton, Georgia, at the carpet capital uh, of the world, man. I got it wrong. I got it wrong. Dothan, Alabama. (laughs) Dothan, Dalton, same same thing, right? So we uh, we start off in June at the Robert Trent Jones Golf Trail in Dothan, Alabama, and that will be our first event of the summer. And then we've got a couple of uh, 
amateur events in the Pinehurst area, uh, uh, mid to late June. Uh, we're we're going to stop off in the Virginia Highlands uh, in July, and then we finish up with two great events in Tennessee early August that, conclu- that leads to our Players' Championship. Uh, so we're trying to wrap up our inaugural season. And, and, you know, we're, we're golf amateur golf tournaments for collegiate players um, outside of their team schedule so that they can stay sharp outside of their school schedule and build their world amateur golf rankings. So check us out at – PlayTourX.org. P-L-A-Y-T-O-U-R, letter X, dot org. Jason, no, we wish you the best with all that. And we're not done with you this week. We're going to go ahead and have you uh, announce here publicly a pledge to come back on the Friday Y'all Show and give us a report of what happened on this Thursday round. Does that sound okay to you? Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, the weather looks perfect for Kiowa Island this week. I mean, I wish I was down there. I'm not. I'm in studio uh, yeah. and, and all week long. But uh, I'll keep an eye on it real close, and we'll talk about uh, the third opening round on Friday morning. Be happy to do it. All right, Jason Nall, PlayTourX.org is the website. Thank you, sir. All right. Appreciate it, General. All right. And we'll have more of the show all about the South coming right up after this. Stay tuned, y'all. Just a few minutes left here in this final hour of this Thursday Y'all Show, taking a look at some developing news on this Thursday. The U.S. House passed a bill to establish a commission to investigate the January 6th events, if you will. And now it looks like the Senate Republicans are going to stand strong and torpedo that vote with few Republicans. Let it be known that they'll try to support the Democratic measure Democrats would need 10 Republican lawmakers to go against Mitch McConnell and others and to make this get signed into law, a commission, if you will, to look into the January 6th, this January 6th commission vote. And it looks like right now Mitch McConnell's got enough support from his side of the aisle not to have too many members go over to the other side and have this thing drag out even more impeachment already in the past but this thing continues to be something that rallies the democratic base it looks like a doctor in florida died from covid19 and now this doctor has left his family a sports card collection worth 20 million dollars dr thomas newman was a neurologist he died in january and according to his wife his baseball card collection valued now at 20 million dollars and it's going up for auction nancy said that her husband was a such a wonderful, deep man with so many talents. 
He was a doctor, a collector, a musician, and a golfer, and evidently a pretty good baseball card collector. Been collecting a lot of cards. One of the cards in his possession, a 1933 Babe Ruth card. It was one of the finest of its kind in all of baseball cards. It has, I think, a value of just along that of $5.2 million. So hold on to your baseball cards. Sorry to hear about the loss of this Florida doctor back in January from COVID-19, Dr. Thomas Newman. But his legacy going forward will be an impressive collection of baseball cards worth an estimated $20 million. We'll come back right here on the Y'all Show and get you a look at some of the festivals taking place across the Southland here in mid-May. This is Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. cut off the lights here on this thursday y'all show been a pleasure to be in with you here and let me tell you if you have plans or looking for plans and looking for some exciting things around the southland for this what's technically third weekend in may coming up here let me tell you about some festivals it's part of our festive south feature here on the y'all show getting you ready for the weekend in hopkinsville kentucky just to the north of clarksville tennessee you got the food truck festival at the Journey Church of Hopkinsville. That lasts from 11 to 4 on Sunday. Tyson's, Virginia this weekend. It's the Beer, Bourbon, and Barbecue Festival at Tyson's Corner Center. That's on Saturday when you can check that out. Hey, you might want to go to Patrick, South Carolina this weekend. I had never heard of Patrick, South Carolina, and I fancied myself as kind of a South Carolina insider. Patrick is a town in Chesterfield County, and that is on the North Carolina-South Carolina border not all that far inland from Myrtle Beach. Patrick has a population of two, rather, 351. Let's not shortchange them here. Patrick SC, population 351. We salute you here at the Y'all Show. And this weekend in Patrick, it's the Pine Straw Festival taking place. That's going on until Saturday. Friday, Saturday is the days that you can check out the annual Pine Straw Festival in, in Patrick south carolina oh yeah make your plans now you know you want to go also this weekend it's tennessee motorcycles and music revival 2021 this is taking place at loretta lynn's ranch in hurricane mills tennessee that has an event venue campgrounds it's a tourism destination and it's right there west of nashville between nashville and jackson tennessee hurricane mills the tennessee motorcycles and music revival taking place this weekend And all that is part of our Festive South. Get out there and check out what's going on in the Southeast. Well, this will wrap up our Y'all Show on this Thursday. John Rawl, thanking you again for being part of the fun. We're going to have fun on Friday. We're going to have a fishing forecast with Craig 
Faulkner. We'll also have that update on the PGA Championship courtesy of Jason Nall. That and a whole lot more on the show that covers the South. Thank you for listening.